It's the 29th of June, 2021. And so we see that it's closing in on the end of this month. And in no long time, it'll be a Salaha Puja. And so around this time, on the 15th day of the sixth lunar month, the Buddha, he attained to awakening. And after that, he enjoyed the bliss of liberation in many different places, and each place was for seven days, so in total it was 45 days. And this bliss of liberation, it's the most subtle and pure kind of happiness that one can experience. And then he thought about this Dhamma that he had awakened to, and about finding some people who would be able to understand this Dhamma. Because he saw that it would be very difficult, um, because the beings of this world, they have had ignorance, craving and clinging, of covering over their hearts for such a long time now. But he contemplated, and through his kindness and compassion, he wished to help all beings. So in the biography of the Buddha, we say that a Brahma god came to invite him to teach the Dhamma. But if we're going to talk about it internally, in terms of a matter of the heart, we could say that the Buddha, his heart was imbued with these divine abidings with kindness and compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity. And through this, this kindness, this compassion, he wished to help all beings be freed from suffering. So he contemplated um, to see who was it who would be able to know this Dhamma in the same way that he had known it. And so we know what it is already that he awakened to. There's this ignorance which gives rise to craving, which in turn gives rise to clinging and then suffering. And that sila, samadhi and panya, this virtue, collectedness and wisdom, this forms the path out of that suffering. And so at first he taught the five ascetics, and so venerable anya kundanya saw the Dhamma, and then later on, all of them, all five, attained to the Dhamma, and all became arahants. And so this happened, this first teaching happened on the 15th day of the 8th lunar month on the Salaha Puja. For us, we all have faith in the Buddha, belief in the Buddha. And this is the highest thing that we have faith in. We all respect the triple gem and take this triple gem to be the refuge of our hearts. In the beginning, it's more of faith than it is wisdom. But we have this faith and then we come to practice following the teachings of the Buddha. So he taught us to train and develop our mindfulness. And this is something that we need to do throughout the entire day. Whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we should try to be mindful. Whether we're eating, drinking or thinking, to have mindfulness of that. You see that there are many different places that teach meditation, and we can get confused about what's right. But if we bring them all together, 
boil them all down, what it comes down to is developing mindfulness. And so we try to keep this faculty of sati, of mindfulness there in each posture that we take up. If we're sitting, then we can come to know the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, this meditation method of anapanasati. And this is a skillful means to bring the mind to peace. You can also use this alongside the mantra buddho, so on the in-breath bud, the out-breath do, and keep doing this until the mind does reach peace. Because it's the nature of these minds that they'll always be following the sense impressions that they experience. And they just think and carry on proliferating without stop. And do we see that, how they're always proliferating based upon a sense of self, upon me and mine? And whenever we see a form through the eye, and then begin the feeling of me and mine that comes up, or a sound comes in through the ear, an odor through the nose, a taste contacts the tongue, or a tactile sensation contacts the body, and then there's a feeling of me and mine that's coming up, and this happens constantly. There's always this me and this mine that's there. And then clinging arises, and this is the cause for suffering to arise. But all dhammas, all phenomena, they all have a cause which brings them into being. And the Buddha taught about these dhammas, he taught about the causes, and he also taught about the cessation of those dhammas as well. This is what Venerable Asaji taught to Sariputta and allowed him to see the Dhamma because he saw this arising and ceasing. So when our minds are peaceful, then they'll be able to contemplate in a way that allows us to see arising and ceasing. And sometimes when virtue, collectiveness and wisdom all gather together, then we gain this clear knowledge and we see through knowledge. Because ordinarily we depend upon our physical eye, this eye of the flesh, and that's what we use to see forms, to see material things, or to see other people's bodies. But when we see through this inner knowledge, what we understand, what we perceive, is arising and ceasing. And it's like we're looking through a microscope, that can see things on a very detailed level and see all material, all substances, every particle or chemical, um, see it as deteriorating, see the whole world and everything in it as arising and ceasing. And um, we see even the self as arising and ceasing as well, and that's all there is there, just arising and ceasing. That this world is something that isn't real, it's not sure, It's always changing. And when we see things in this way, we gain a clear understanding of the Dhamma. And the faith that we have becomes firm, stable. And then when we pay respects to the Buddha, we do so through wisdom. So as we practice the Dhamma, then our minds, or we really set our hearts on doing this. And when we do that, then we'll gain slowly more and more knowledge. We'll be able to see things more and more clearly. And this happens little by little. But as we carry on doing it more and more frequently, it becomes clearer and clearer, the understanding that we gain. 
But initially, we need to kind of intentionally teach our minds, teach them that form is something that's not sure, it's something that's unstable, that all mental phenomena are unstable as well, all physicality, all mentality, this is all not self. There's no being, no me, no other there. And so we teach our minds using memory, using sanya, asking ourselves why attach? There isn't a self there. Why fear? Why love? Why hate? Because there's no me, there's no mine. And through thinking in this way, then the mind becomes more at ease. When a form comes in through the eye, then we gain that feeling, and then attachment arises. And so we need to come back, we need to teach our minds anew, teach them again. We teach them that these things, they change, it's inappropriate to attach to them. And then through doing this, we're able to let go. We see that it doesn't have a me, it doesn't really have a mind within it, and through that, the mind becomes at ease. But if we try to teach our minds in this way, but they're not able to accept it, it's because of the ignorance that's there covering over the heart, and because our minds believe in delusion more than they do in knowledge. They have greater amounts of delusion than knowledge, and this shows that our minds are lost, and they're attaching to me and mine. But in this case, we shouldn't worry about it, but just know what's going on. What are our minds like right now? Do they have greed, anger, or delusion within them? And if they do, then we know that. And so we know that, and we are mindful of it. And when we're mindful, then the mind won't proliferate, and wisdom will come up. So if the mind is absent of these defilements of greed, anger, and delusion, then we also know that as well. We pay attention to that, we're aware of that. If there's greed, anger, and delusion there, what's it getting angry about? What's it getting greedy over? What's it deluded about? And we know that. If there's an absence of greed, anger, and delusion, and that's due to samadhi, then we know that. If this absence of the defilements is due to wisdom, is due to us seeing the unstable nature of all physical and mental things, then we know that as well. So we try to always bring up this clear knowledge. And when we do this, then we'll see that the mind is just the mind. And these sense objects are just sense objects. There's no being, no self, no other there. And in this state, then this mind, this knowing element, it won't attach to any of it as being me, as being mine. It won't cling on to it. So we try to train our minds to be like this. We try to train our minds in this way. But it's not the case that once we have faith and we have this sincerity of practice, then we'll be able to enter samadhi in just one day, or seven days, or one month. This depends upon what we've done in the past, what we've created in the past, in our barami. And if we've done a lot, then training in samadhi won't be a difficult thing. But if our old accumulations are small, then we need to do a lot in the present moment. And so we really try. In the beginning it's normal that the mind will be really scattered. It'll be thinking and chaotic, going all over the place. And it feels like that's all that's going on, is just chaos. 
So in this state, then we use the thoughts that are happening in order to think about this body and think about it in a way that um, sees it as just being a collection of elements, a heap of inconstancy, a heap of stress, just something which isn't beautiful. And we can pick up one of these aspects and use that to contemplate. So Asuba, for instance, um, this contemplating the non-beautiful aspect of the body, thinking how when the body dies and there's no wind element present, the fire element goes and the body becomes cold and slowly it starts becoming hard and the blood starts flowing out of the body. And if we leave it around in a cremation ground, for example, then the bacteria starts its processes, starts its um, reactions, chemical reactions on the body, and decays the body. And then a smell comes out, a smell which no one likes. And then maggots start hatching and start eating the body. And steadily they eat it away. They eat the skin, they eat the flesh, they start chewing on the organs. And in the end, they eat away at the sinews as well. And then when the sinews are gone, then the bones scatter about. And then also, it's normal that animals start coming and eating the body as well, whether it's mice or dogs, because they don't know any better, they just see it as being food. So if we contemplate in this way, then the mind can feel more and more at ease. And it will feel less aggravated, less stirred up. Perhaps it's not really peaceful, but it does feel more at ease. And so we just carry on contemplating, thinking about this back and forth, back and forth, until the heart settles into stillness. And then we can come and know the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, until peace and joy arise. Sometimes there's a feeling of lightness in the body and in the mind, but maybe this doesn't stay for so long. Perhaps it's five minutes. Or if it is five minutes, and that shows it's already quite good. But we may have to sit for quite a long time in order to reach that state. So in that case, then we should train to sit for long periods, and to walk in meditation for long periods, until the thoughts steadily reduce. So when Lumpur Chao was staying with one of his teachers, Lumpur Ginnery, um, he would do a lot of walking meditation. But for Lumpur Ginnery, he would just walk for five steps, and already his mind was at peace. And so Lumpur Chao, he was confused about this, that his teacher did walking meditation for just five steps, and then he stopped doing walking meditation. And, but it's kind of like people who are very wealthy, um, they've already put in the work to gain that wealth. But those who aren't wealthy, they can't just try to imitate them straight away. They need to put in that work first in order to get there. And so it's the same for us, for us practitioners, while we're still practicing. We need to do a lot of walking, a lot of sitting. Just carry on doing this without skipping. And really be intense in this way to practice like this continuously. And steadily things will get better, they'll improve. And so we all know about generosity and virtue, and we put this into practice following the teachings of the Buddha, 
being generous, being moral. We also hear about associating with the wise, with people who know, those who have an understanding of this path of practice. So we've read things in the scriptures, but it's also important for us to study under a teacher as well, because we gain more knowledge from a teacher. Perhaps we don't ordain under them, but we can still study with them. And to associate with and kind of gain the teachings, the guidance of a monk who has practiced well, who has already gained understanding. And through this, we too develop deeper and deeper understanding. We gain more and more knowledge. So when our virtue is already in a good and beautiful state, then we should bring up this firm intention to meditate. Even though we may have to work during the day, we should always be mindful, trying to collect our minds. Because if throughout the day we're not restrained and the mind is giving rise to too much attraction and aversion, then in the evening when we come to sit in meditation, it will be very difficult for the mind to gather together into samadhi. And when we sit, there'll just be this inner chaos and agitation. So we need to gather in our energy. We need to conserve our energy. And whenever a form comes in through the eye, or a sound comes in through the ear, we experience an odor, a taste, a touch. And there's that cognition of it, we receive that. But if we're not mindful, then our samadhi won't be firm. And what we'll get instead is delusion that's constantly covering over the heart. And so we need to be cautious. We need to teach ourselves that these things are not self. Because we see how sometimes we can see someone, but we're not able to recollect their name. And really that's because they don't truly have a name. And so it may be a lay person, it may be some acquaintance or relative or a monastic, and we wonder what's their name. But they don't really have a name. It's just a collection of four elements. It's just five khandas. So sometimes we can't remember these things, or sometimes we do remember them. But no matter what the case, we should understand that there's no me, there's no mine there. When we really like someone, then we remember them. If we strongly dislike someone, then we remember them. And this can cause a lot of chaos, a lot of inner agitation. Because we don't know, we don't understand that this is simply memory. It's simply things that just arise and cease. That that's its reality, just arising and ceasing. But our minds go and cling on to this arising and ceasing as being a me, a mine, a self or another. And this creates so much chaos, confusion within the heart, and is constantly deluded. And so if we're not cautious, if we're not restrained, then this makes meditation very difficult. And then if we've been like this throughout the day, or if we're feeling quite exhausted and we eat dinner and then we sit in meditation, then it's very tough to gain samadhi. And so it's better to have a rest first. 
And then we wake up early in the morning, maybe 5 a.m., 5.30, and it's very clear then. The mind feels very fresh. Uh, the body is getting this fresh oxygen. And um, both the body and the mind can feel very light. And so when we sit in meditation like this, gaining this sense of buoyancy, of lightness in body and mind, um, then we can feel like it's been too long since I've gained this state. It's been too long that I've just let things go. Because we kind of re-realize what this samadhi is like. And that normally we just allow our mind to be deluded. And that's why we've lost our practice of meditation. Because the mind's just been lost in this world, been lost in the sense impressions that we experience. And oftentimes it's only when we really meet with suffering and we can't find a way out that we recollect our meditation and recollect how really that's a better thing for us to be doing, that we didn't feel so much suffering when we were practicing. And so we take up the practice again and our minds feel at ease again. But the suffering that we experience, this is the noble truth, the noble truth of dukkha. And like fear, for example, the suffering that we experience through our anxiety. We may be anxious about getting fired from our job. Um, we may be anxious about sickness or pain. Or perhaps fearful in a forest, fear of tiger, of elephants. And now many people are scared of this COVID virus. And other people are scared of the vaccine. But when we gather all of these different kinds of fear together, what it comes down to is the fear of death. But as we carry on training, then wisdom arises. And we can ask ourselves, why is it that we're afraid? And the answer comes up, we're afraid of death. But we see that really there's nowhere that we can go to escape from that death. So we should really try to be restrained and cautious, try to uh, maintain our mindfulness and keep it there, and really put our efforts into training in this way consistently. And then we come to um, contemplate. And if the mind is more, it gains more um, stability, it becomes less scattered, then we can bring the mind to the breath and using the word putto with the in and out breath until the mind becomes more still. And in this state, then maybe we'll feel like one of our hands disappears and then the other disappears. And then we lose sensation over both of our feet until eventually it feels like half of our body is just not there. And this spreads until it's the entire body. There's a feeling of complete lightness, as though we don't have a body at all. And there's just clear knowledge that comes up. And if people are able to get into the state of peace, then what that shows is that they've got a lot of barami already. That if for no long time they're able to reach peace, they're able to gain, gain samadhi, then they've developed a lot in the past. And sometimes people can sit in the state of peace for one hour and 50 minutes, or an hour and a half, or two hours. And the shows that they've already trained a lot. So for us, therefore, we should put our efforts into this, into making our samadhi well established.
and gaining an understanding of physical and mental things, that they're not self. Until we can start seeing this clearly, seeing the nature of arising and ceasing, seeing the Dhamma. And when we see the Dhamma, then the faith that we have, it comes through wisdom. So for us, we're very fortunate. We've gained a human birth, we've met with the teachings of the Buddha. So we shouldn't just throw this opportunity away, but rather really set our hearts on this and make sure that in this life, we're working to reduce the number of times that we have to be born and die again. So may all of you set your hearts on this practice.